Have you ever wondered how old some of the world's healthcare systems are? Some are over 80 years old now. Our own kicked off in 1965 with Medicare. And we've come a long way since then. Until recently, technology was exploding everywhere except medicine. Much of its thinking is still back there, too. One major reason is medicine is conservative, rightfully so. 2,400 plus years of first do no harm. But soon after the turn of the century, medicine's come to Jesus moment arrived. Tectonic shifts are forcing it to change. It got personal and it's no longer private. Hello, welcome to the 2020 Healthcare Buyer's Guide, part four. Today, personalized medicine and privacy. Hey, and if you like what you hear, please consider subscribing, click the bell, and share like a photo of JLo in a new green dress. It was July 26 in 2000 when President Clinton announced the first sequencing of a human genome. It was medicine's Sir Edmund Hillary moment, conquering Mount Everest. It could be done, but was it replicable? The second ascent decided the issue. And so too at Genome. More sequencing confirmed our medicine would be dialed into our own DNA. Assembly line medicine's days were doomed. So too were the world's healthcare systems. One of my healthcare rules is government doesn't do personalization by design. At least good ones don't. Even a few bad ones don't either. It's all about the collective. One set of laws for everyone. No playing favorites. Can you think of one government program doing personalization well? let alone at the level medicine's at right now. So how do we define personalized medicine? Well, there's genome, there's gut microbiome, there's the environment of where, you, where and how you live, work, and play, diet, exercise, the lab works, um, blood tests, all the lab tests, there's hundreds of them all the imaging that can be done. All are tools that when combined help a doctor assess your health and wellness, a far more complete picture than ever before. Physicians are now tailoring their care decisions about you as an individual. So there's far more variability to deal with, more to unpack, research, and more medical dots to connect. Most medical systems were designed with nowhere near this level of complexity and variability. They haven't been great at keeping up either. Simply put, physicians need far more time to listen to you and to think. Just like any assembly line worker will tell you, up the variability, the line slows down. If not, quality suffers. That's our exact situation today. 
if medicine's line must slow down, where's that patient time going to come from? Here's what to look for. One of the most important things to look for is reducing primary care patient loads down to between 500 to 800 from two to 3,000 patients. And then there's eliminating the need for administrative burdens. For example, I recall reading about uh, at a medical conference, a doctor was talking about 32 mouse clicks to order and record a flu shot. In her case, her admin could do it. And in fact, they counted the clicks. One of her peers in the audience then chimed in that in his state, it required him to do the clicking. Think about that. 32 clicks for, say, 1,000 patients. That's 32,000 clicks. How long would that take? Well, that's, a, that's vital patient time being chewed up by stupid regulations, many of them created decades ago. Globally, all healthcare systems must deal with today's personalized care. England's National Health Service, the primary care physicians, were complaining three years ago about 10 and a half minute visits. They said it was the lowest in the EU at the time. It's nowhere near enough time to deal with variables. Other countries are feeling the effects too. Primary care is where we receive most of our care. If you've been wondering why your physician is looking at their computer more than you, you have a much better idea right now. But wait, there's more. As they hunt and peck at their keyboard, they're entering your reason for visiting, their diagnosis, and then their treatment plan. But they also enter in billing codes. Without those, they won't get paid. There are over 100,000 codes, and they spend time, your time, looking for the right code. That all adds up to less time for you less focus on your medical dots, less time to listen. Our system is so old, there really isn't a way to bill for extensive medical dot connecting time for personalized care, thinking about your bigger health picture. So it doesn't happen. And when you hear people complaining about how there's no prevention in our system, now you know why. The system doesn't pay for the thinking time. Those codes are also an audit mechanism, as in financial and quality audits, like the IRS coming in at will and asking for everything. Why? Because they can. Physicians have no choice in our current system if they take government reimbursements. It's a perfect segue into medical privacy. Remember the kerfluffle back in 2013 when the NSA's mass collection of emails and phone calls came to light? Keep that in mind. By now, all that personalization might have you asking exactly what's going into my electronic health record. The short answer, everything. Your genetic blueprint, otherwise known as your genome, 
in whole or part of it, then there's something you only told your doctor with that time-honored expectation of privacy. Could be a rape, a closed adoption, an abortion, mental illness, addiction recovery. Tens of millions of Americans have extremely private details. They'd be mortified if revealed to the world. If you're a politician, remember, many are voters too. All this and far more reside in your EHR. It can easily reach hundreds of pages. What you may not know is our government decided to enable even deeper surveillance. It's called social determinants of health. This started in 1996. The data is growing by leaps and bounds. But what are they collecting about you? Here are some examples. Income level, educational opportunities, occupation, employment status and workplace safety, gender inequity, racial segregation, food insecurity and inaccessibility of food choices, early childhood experiences and development, social supports and community inclusivity, crime rates and exposure to violent behavior, accessibility of transportation, neighborhood conditions and physical environment, access to safe drinking water, clean air, and toxin-free environments, recreational and leisure opportunities, It isn't stopping there. Think about all that data going into a big database in the cloud, all that private information. Remember those emails and phone calls your government was collecting? You might think, so what, who cares? Well, governments can and do overreach. It's history 101. If they can, they will. Then they'll pay for a think tank study showing they were right. Here's what Twyla Bray's best-selling author of Big Brother in the Exam Room told me. It's clear to me that we need to clamp down on access to personal health information, not opening more doors and windows to it. So, Twyla, please change my mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not going to change your mind because the fact of the matter is that the data will be used against people, particularly in... Uh, it was Ronald was it Ronald Reagan or was it who said that in the twilight of your years or the you know the at birth when when you're not perfect or when you have a disability um, or you know or even looking at people's genetics so person A wants to marry person B and now they've got the whole genetic sequence and they look and they go well these two people get together they're they've got a 25% chance or 75% chance of having this kind of a baby. And this kind of a baby is going to cost us a whole lot of money. And so we need to either, um, you know, require or recommend or whatever preconception testing or, um, you know, genetic um, 
um, oh, I can't think, I think of the name of the word. It's a, you know, when you change the editing, genetic editing. CRISPR. Yeah, CRISPR, right? And um, and then if you're older at a certain age, um, because everybody will have, they'll know what the ages, they'll know what the diagnoses are, they'll know all of that. There'll be things that aren't even available to you because they'll have all this information. Now, a lot of your listeners are probably they're probably limited when they're, when I'm talking about all this information, they're probably limiting their thinking to, you know, diagnoses that they have um, or um, medications that they've taken. But listeners, your listeners need to, to expand greatly um, on that because what's happening today is the whole movement towards social determinants of health information. Um, and that means things like um, your ability to access food, your income, what are your housing conditions like, what what kind of uh, family situation are you in. You know, that this is a collection of basically all the information on in your life. What's what, what are you doing on social media? If you haven't seen it, you might want to watch the movie Gattaca. If you saw it a long time ago, you might want to revisit it. So is Gattaca that far-fetched? Do we really want to find out? We have a choice to be decided this November. Privacy is medicine's Jesus nut, which is an engineering term for a single point of failure. Privacy between a doctor and a patient is the glue assuring that vital trust between them. Ask any doctor as I have on this show, what happens when we lose it? Not good at all. We'll have, we'll have poor diagnosis and treatment plans because of incomplete information due to fear of disclosure. Patients are, patients are already fudging the truth with their doctors. The results are a sicker population and more fear and certainty and doubt. More costly care, too. Care's outcomes will be poorer. Malpractice lawyers must be salivating at the thought. But they should worry about the next possible government intrusion into our privacy. You know the political mantra, health care is a right? Well, you do have the right to an attorney, don't you? Courtesy of the Supreme Court in the Miranda decision. A right, just like health care? Hmm. I give you legal care for all. I've linked Dr. Craig Wax's article about legal care for all in the description. It's well worth the read. So, legal eagles, you may want to have a sidebar and discuss health care as a right. Think about that a bit. Losing medical privacy isn't a new thing either. We've lost our privacy rights over time. In fact, the law used to go around our Fourth Amendment rights was settled back in the 70s with two Supreme Court cases, Smith versus Maryland and United States versus Miller. Well before the advent of personal computers and EHRs in your physician's office, 
It's called the third party doctrine. The key phrase in these decisions is, this court consistently has held that a person has no legitimate expectation of privacy and information he voluntarily turns over to third parties. So when you discuss those extremely private events with your doctor, they currently meet third party doctrine. You had no say and probably don't know the extent of what's being shared. Compare that unfettered access into your medical history with the hoops the NSA must go through to read your emails or listen to your phone calls. They must go to court. By the way, Supreme Court Justice Sotomayor noted the third party doctrine is, quote, ill-suited to the digital age. That's a clue the current situation won't go unresolved. It's probably headed to court. I could go on, but I urge you to listen to my entire interview with Twyla Braze. It's linked below. Even if you listen to only one other show, that's the one. It's that important. So as you'll hear me repeat a few times on this show, everything is related. The big problem is seeing the relationships. Medicine's personalization with genome, the major driver, is forcing healthcare to respond. It's taking its toll on physicians, nurses, and entire healthcare systems. The system isn't allowing them to be flexible, to adjust, to personalize. And remember, governments don't do personalization by design. Personalization pulled the rug out from under them. That's the reason they must change or face epic failures. It's time to get in in the face of those who create our laws. Politicians. Demand accountability and change. So what are the questions? Well, how will your proposed plan give my primary care physician more time to deal with medicine's personalization? How will your plan enable more preventative thinking time at the primary care level? How will your plan eliminate government surveillance of personal health information without our consent? Now, if you're at a town hall, be sure to have a few paper copies of the Federal Register and that phrase highlighted. It's linked in the description below. Wave it at them while asking the questions. Hand copies to the people next to you and say, read it and pass it on. If there are media types there, save a copy or two for them. Now, if the politician gives a pablum answer such as, our government is taking great measures to protect personal health information, immediately counter by loudly asking, like you did with the OPM data hack over 21 million Americans who applied for security clearances, that one? Another version. Why should I now trust you with my personal health information given the OPM data hack? When can we expect your call to roll back warrantless surveillance of our private health information? It can be done with one signature. Here's Twyla Braze. And so, you know, we have asked the director of OCR to bring back the right of consent. Mm. Because here's the interesting thing. The law passed in 1996 called HIPAA, and there's no privacy in that word, 
It's the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act, H-I-P-A-A. And out of that act was this requirement that either Congress write a law for privacy or HHS, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, was required to write a rule for privacy. And when they wrote that, and, and nothing, nothing in the law required them to strip Americans of consent rights and to take away privacy. It didn't say to protect privacy and protect consent, but it also didn't require it to be taken away. And as I said, it was Secretary Donna Shalala who decided that privacy must go so that the data was available for all sorts of other purposes. And, um, and so HHS today and the Office for Civil Rights today could, if they wanted to, simply strip out the permissiveness of HIPAA and put back in a simple requirement for written informed voluntary patient consent or sharing of medical record information. They could do it. Again, I've provided many links in the description for your reference, but one important point remains. Personalized care means you must have extreme privacy. While there are many public health benefits of studying social behaviors, what's released to help with those programs should be decided by the patient with the counsel of their physician. I'm recording this during the coronavirus 2020 pandemic, and I hope you and your family stay safe and are washing your hands a lot, keeping your distance from people. Please share your thoughts below about personalization and privacy, and subscribe too if you don't mind so you stay up to date on healthcare. We appreciate your support and thanks for listening. I'll see you next week. And there you are.